Hi everyone and welcome back to The Last Parliamental Before Christmas. Anne, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm really sad that it's the last one it's, of the year. It's quite sad, isn't it? 2016. Mm. Last Parliamental. Oh well. Oh, but get ready to eat yourself silly. Uh, oh, I do that every time. <laughs> Actually, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cut that out, cut that out. Oh yes, for once in my life I'll yeah. eat a lot. I've already <laughs> broke the seal. The past week has just been calories. I don't know what I've done. I know what I've done, I've eaten. That's and then done. the week after Christmas going to be the same? Yeah, well, you know, you have to eat your post-Christmas di um, diet, which is eating the same stuff you had before Christmas, but yeah. feeling really bad about it. Yeah. You don't have the same cheer anymore. But yeah. are you set for Christmas this year? Hey, I am actually, um, well, sort of, kind of. Um, I've got people coming, 10 people coming. Well. I'm having to borrow some chairs for them and maybe some cutlery. Nice. <laughs> I have enough knives for everybody. I don't it's have any food in It's interesting. You've got enough knives? Yeah, I've got enough knives. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to say anything more about yeah. knives, but anyway, um, yeah, no, well, what I did was, normally I put my Christmas tree up on Christmas Eve, it's not deliberate, I don't intend to be that late, and then I get bored halfway through and we p complete it in the morning, on Christmas morning, you know, so I had a Christmas party for my relatives, uh, the first weekend in Christmas, uh, uh, the first, sorry, the first weekend in December, mm. And uh, yeah, so that was the weekend that Toby was here, remember my nephew Toby. Yeah. And so the Christmas tree went up, the decorations went up, so as far as I'm concerned, that's me ready. That's you sorted. I've mm. not even put my tree up yet. Usually I'm champing it a bit at the start of December, but I've not done it yet and we're painting the back bedroom, which means that once we get that finished, then the tree can go up. Yeah. So um, get, get your priorities Yeah, your priorities and straight. Now we had the Proven SNP Christmas night last night. Um, so how are you feeling this morning? I'm fine. Jerry. how are you this morning? I'm absolutely fine. I drove. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, then. <laughs> Although I did leave with a massive bottle of Jack Daniels, which I won in the raffle. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Because I presented it to you, which I think means that I should get half of it. Uh, well, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's a point of view. Is there half of it left? There's still, there's a, yes, I think Scott Montana. Well, I, um, okay, I wasn't really drinking uh, last night. Um, uh, it was we karaoke night. Yeah, you were you were singing. I noticed. Oh, don't you think I was singing beautifully? Oh, it, was, it was lovely. <laughs> Just for the record, it was lovely. I murdered Bohemian Rhapsody along with my partner Graham. Although I think he murdered it more. And then myself and Angus, the SNP's National Secretary, sang <laughs> You're Just Too Good To Be True. Because he's always wanted... In fact, he sings that to me every day I come in the office. Yeah, but we sick. just thought we'd take it up Yeah, you've got to the make it for in the music, you have to do it. <laughs> um, it was a good night and it was really nice to see everybody. And, you know, um, yeah, thanks to everyone that came along. It was a really fun night. Yeah, it was a, it was a really fun night. And um, yeah, so I, I won some Jack Daniels, which is the first time I've won a raffle in I don't know how long. I think the last time I won on a raffle was a bottle of whiskey, so there's a wee theme going on there. Well, do you know, I didn't get any raffle tickets, but there is a reason, because I went to buy some and my partner, Graham, said, no, it's all right, I got us some. Right. Later on, I said, right, that's the raffle being drawn. How many raffle tickets did we get? Two. I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he and I have a different view of raffle. Oh, God, he's going to hear this, isn't he? Hmm. Anyway, that's why we didn't deserve to win anything and we didn't. Win anything. Ivan McKee uh, won two raffle prizes. Yes, one of which I, I donated. Nice one. Which one was it? Was it the taboo or was it the um, no, the spa? He, the he spa. left the taboo behind, you know. Um, it was the spa treatment. It's the massage stuff mm -hmm. and everything. So. Yeah. I wonder what's happened to that taboo. <laughs> I know what's happened to it. To one of the guests who was there last night was given it and um, took it away and looked delighted. Well, I'm glad it's got a home. Oh, it was you who donated it? No, it wasn't me, no. Oh, it wasn't you? No. Right. Okay, what is it? Taboo. It's like wine and vodka. Oh. I know it looks. It sounds like a really eighties drink, doesn't it? It's like drink uh, wine and vodka. 
Well, Merry Christmas, whoever, whoever got it. In Parliament, um, you raised the question about a constituent who's got a medical condition, which I'm not going to attempt to say. <laughs> um, and he needs a list of his employers from the DWP to progress some legal action he's mm -hmm. doing. So, just do you want to give us a wee bit of background about that, like about what it is? Yeah, he's got uh, pleural plaques, which can lead on to asbestosis and related conditions like that, and it's because of the work that he did. Um, because of the nature of his work, he had a lot of previous employers. He can only take the action if he does it by the 30th of December, and he can only take the court action if he has a complete list of all of those employers, and it must be a complete list. Well, he doesn't remember trying for ages to get HMRC to provide the list, and they've now told him it will take 321 days. That means he is denied access to justice. So at the justice questions session, I managed to bob up and down and catch the speaker's eye and raise the question. And the justice secretary, I was quite pleased because she agreed that she would speak to um, the Work and Pensions Secretary and see what they can do about that. But since then, um, Alison Thewlis, the Glasgow Central MP, has told me that she had somebody in a in the same um, position, similar position, and so she put in a written question to find out how many people, how many other people were waiting, and it's quite a lot. It's thousands of documents that are being held up. So her and I have decided to run a joint campaign. Um, and there was stuff in the press the other day. We've launched a survey, an online survey. We want people to let us know if they're also waiting. We want to know the extent of the problem in uh, Glasgow and, and Scotland because we can you know, pass them on to our colleagues. I'd imagine there must be quite a few people. If it's asbestosis, it's uh, probably construction related. Yeah. So how many people, and if a person changes jobs so regularly over the years, I know. Um, that must have been the nature of that industry. So there must be lots of people, I'd imagine, especially in the west of Scotland, who've, who've got this and are kind of suffering from it. I know, and it, it will be. We're expecting it to be an awful lot. Um, and I'm just hoping, uh, I need to chase up the Justice Secretary because I've not heard back, but I'm just hoping that we can help this guy because the courts can't extend it apparently beyond the 30th of December. So he has absolutely no chance of, uh, you know, taking this action against them unless he gets this information from HMRC, who would be quick enough, quick enough and efficient enough if you owed them money. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping, though, I'm quite hopeful that in his case, something will happen. Yeah, I mean, irrespective of the size of that research task, it's not 321 days. No. It's, you know, it's going to be 300 days before they start thinking about it. So, yeah, it's just, so there's, there's, there's so do you think for in this guy's case, it'll be kind of unfortunate for him, but hopefully it'll be different for people in the future or? No, I'm really hoping, I'm going to keep chasing up. I'm really hoping that they'll make an exception and bring his case forward and provide him with the information that he needs. And since we're talking about government agencies kind of screwing up, the DWP have announced they'll be closing half of Glasgow's job centres, including places like Easter House, Parkhead, Castle Milk, you know, all these places that you uh -huh. know, don't really need job centres. I know. Um, yeah. I mean, how do you think those closures will affect just people around about here? Well, although there are no uh, job centres closing in Glasgow North East, the job centres that a lot of Glasgow North East constituents use are closing. So a lot of people use Parkhead, use Mary Hill, use um, Easter House, and uh, so some of them will have to go to Shettleston, some of them will have to go to, the ones that use Mary Hill will have to go to Springburn. Um, but we, as Glasgow MPs, have worked together on this. We met with the DWP, uh, the Employment Minister, Damien uh, Hines, and we basically said that this should not be a consultation on individual job centres, and they're only doing a consultation on three of them. 
uh, but it should be it should take the impact on Glasgow as a whole, and we want them to consider it as in its entirety. That we want them to consult on these proposals in their entirety, because even as I say, when you don't have a job centre closing, your constituents are going to be badly affected. I think the point was made that they're closing twenty percent of job centres nationwide, um, and Glasgow's getting half of its job centres. So this was, I think, yes. Robertson raised the question about why is Glasgow being disproportionately affected, and especially Glasgow with all its kind mm. of various problems that are maybe um, higher unemployment than other parts of the yeah. country. Um, it seems a bit strange that Glasgow would get it in the neck again. Yes, I know it is. Um, I mean, you're right, so 20% across the UK, but 50% in Glasgow, I don't know, part of me thinks they're trying to test the mettle of the Glasgow MPs and find out how hard we'll fight this, but they can be, rest assured, we are going to fight it, because apart from anything else, people are being sanctioned, you know, I have a hatred of sanctions, people are being sanctioned for being late to sign on. Um, and now we're making it even more complicated, not to mention expensive, for them to do that. Um, however, they've not done it yet. The consultation, uh, they've agreed, we complained about the consultation taking place over Christmas and New Year. So they've agreed to extend it to the end of January. And they also have agreed um, to put the consultation online because we made the point to them that lots and lots of people will do it if it's online. But otherwise, they're going to have to write a letter, you know, yeah. far less likely to participate in the consultation. The other thing is they're doing an equality impact assessment after the consultation, which is really odd. You would think you would do it at the start, and we haven't got them to give in on that one yet, but we're going to do our best. So what's the next steps then for the for this campaign? You said you've got the consultation, the web, has anything happened in Parliament about it? Yeah, well, we've all put in a number of questions, um, and we uh, put in bids for debates, and uh, my colleague Stuart MacDonald, the Glasgow South MP, um, I hope I've got that right. Anyway, it covers Castlemilk. <laughs> <laughs> it's somewhere in the south side. Uh, Glasgow South MP um, has secured a Westminster Hall debate. So it's a one-hour debate. So um, all of the Glasgow MPs, I think, apart from myself, are going to be there. The only reason I'm not going to be there is it's Tuesday, late Tuesday, and I'm taking 50 kids from the constituency to a panto in Glasgow. Nice. Can't be in two places at once and I don't think they'd be very happy if I don't turn up with the goodie bags and, no. and the panto tickets so, somehow. So is it literally, I mean, you are you going with the group as well? Oh yes, oh yes. That would be terrifying. <laughs> I'm going to make them sing Christmas carols all the way to the SEC Oh my God. <laughs> now there's four <laughs> buses picking up, so we're picking up kids um, and, and I have to say here I'm really grateful to A&M Brilliant children's charity uh, operating uh, across Glasgow, but started up in the northeast of Glasgow. Um, and uh, they are taking, they, they coordinated it for me. So I'm just paying for the, the, the costs. They coordinated it for me. And I asked them to make sure they got kids from various different places, Possible Park, uh, Rakesi and whatever. So they're working with a number of other organisations. Four buses. 50 kids, 10 adults, um, and loads of sweeties, but it's Christmas, uh, and we're really, really, really hoping that we get to meet the cast afterwards, but if not, I'm sure they'll have a, a fantastic time, even if I do make them sing Christmas carols on the way. Are you going to wear tinsel or something? You need to be a big jumper, daily boppers? Of course, I'm not going to turn up without the whole festive gear on and see if there's any wains on that bus that don't have festive gear. Hmm. They'll have me to answer to. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I've got a list of who's naughty and who's nice. Listen, I've got hats, I've got tinsel, they will be worn. <laughs> so you've got a good reason you won't be at the debate because you'll be taking mm. all those kids to the pantomime. Yeah. Is there anything else you'll be doing to support that action? Yeah, I mean, there's loads of things going on. We've got a plan of action that takes us through to the end of January. In fact, by the time this goes out, I'll have been out on Monday morning at half past eight in the morning outside Maryhill Job Centre collecting signatures against the closure of that particular job centre but there's a number of things happening but there's something else regarding the DWP that by the time this goes out will have broken um, in the press and that is I discovered uh, something pretty shocking actually shocking's not the word despicable that's the word um, and it really made me feel sick the idea that they would the DWP would do this to people so there are decision makers who work for the DWP and they uh, consider a number of things. So they make decisions on if you've done something or they think you've done something that you shouldn't have done at the job centre, the job centre staff will refer you for a sanction. The decision maker decides whether or not you should be sanctioned. Okay, so they make decisions on that and they make decisions on mandatory reconsiderations which shorthand is just basically a type of appeal so you appeal against it the decision so they do you know primarily most of their work is either deciding whether you should be sanctioned in the first place deciding whether or not to overturn a, another sanction decision or deciding to overturn a decision that goes against you in terms of the amount of benefit you get um they were told a couple of weeks ago to stop considering anything in terms of the mandatory reconsiderations they're only allowed now until the 9th of january to consider whether or not to sanction somebody and in effect what that means is there are two lots of people affected by this so there are people who feel that they got a wrong decision they've already been sanctioned um and they've asked for it to be reconsidered bearing in mind over 50 percent of those are overturned yep. so over 50 percent of them were wrongly applied in the first place people are unnecessarily suffering so that's one group of people those people so who've half appealed. of people have been sanctioned basically yes half the people at least half the people who've been sanctioned were wrongly sanctioned so those people are waiting now for the 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 decision makers to decide that they're going to overturn it. A lot of people will be confident it'll be overturned because they know they've not done anything wrong and that they had a good reason for being late or whatever it was. Um, and they think they're going to hear before Christmas, but they're not even going to be considered until the 9th of January, by which time there'll be an even bigger backlog. And I hate breaking that news to people, but that's what's happening. So there's that group of people. Then there's the group of people who maybe in October turned up late for an appointment or whatever they did, the job centre thought they should be sanctioned, said to them, we're referring you for a sanction, and they've heard nothing since. So clearly you would think to yourself, phew, they must have decided not to sanction me. No. So they're doing a big storm on those people and thousands of people are now getting letters and they run up to Christmas saying, you're sanctioned for something that happened ages ago. The, the thing that really sickens me about this is that the focus is primarily on sanctioning somebody as opposed to overturning an incorrect decision. So people thinking, bear in mind, you know, if, even if you just look at a single person, I don't know how much everybody gets because it depends on their circumstances. A single person with no dependents gets £73 a week. It's tough enough to survive on that any time. It's a nightmare trying to survive on that and participate during the festive period. But to have that money taken away from you 
and then know that you're probably going to get it overturned but it's not going to happen before Christmas absolutely sickened me so I just think they're being really cruel and unnecessarily cruel and I'm really disappointed that I'm not going to get the opportunity to raise it in Parliament before next year but I will be raising it and I don't have to do it on the floor of the House uh, the press are taking it up and as I say, by the time this goes out, it should be out there. I think you're saying it's, it seems quite horrifying. Um, Christmas just makes it seem worse. I know it's, it's people's, people being sanctioned at all times are, are painful anyway, but it seems really worse at this time of year. But you're saying that the, the workload seems to be to further punish people. There's, yeah. So there's abandon all that stuff where you're actually overturning stuff that you've done wrong, but just keep cracking the whip is yeah. what it seems like they've been told to do. And you know what? See the decision makers themselves, the vast majority of them don't want to be doing this to people. I mean, I spoke to somebody who said, I feel physically sick that I'm spending all day, every day in the run up to Christmas when I'm getting ready for my kids' Christmas and saying, what can we do to make it special for them? He said, I'm, I, I feel physically sick that I am every single day deciding and I've, I've got no choice to sanction people, he said, and it's happening just before Christmas. And so the morale in the workplace, certainly in the DWP place where my contact works, the morale is at rock bottom because people don't want to do that to other human beings. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I suppose you could cope with doing it if you're balancing your work with overturning decisions and giving people good news. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like there's any good news coming out this, uh, this Christmas for those people. I just, I would feel absolutely desperate if, I, I would feel quite, I mean I have, I've been unemployed, I've been living on £73 a week uh, in the run up to Christmas, I have felt the pressure of, you know, people saying, oh it's alright, you don't need to get me a present, and you think, well it might be alright with you, but it's not alright with me, I'm sick of being the family pauper, you know, you go through all that, but can you imagine, you're feeling like that, and you're thinking, how am I going to, how am I going to be, not how am I going to stop myself being embarrassed at the Christmas table when everybody's given nice gifts and I've just got a tiny wee pound land thing to give and even that is a struggle but you imagine you've got all that going on then you get a letter saying you've been sanctioned yeah, for because six you weeks were, three months because you were late in October for uh, three minutes and you've yeah. no one's cracked a light since aye unbelievable unbelievable anyway it's just about the worst thing I've heard well okay the worst thing I've heard in the UK there's yeah. other things mm. going on in the world that are mm. hideous. Mm. Um, but, you know, in terms of what this government could be doing, it's one of the worst things I've heard. So you're saying that that should be in the media, hopefully, but well, this will definitely be in the media by the time this goes out anyway. So, uh, yeah, so we'll maybe retweet it if, if, if they post it. Oh, yes, please. Oh, and one other thing, sorry, can I just say this? Um, I have been told by another source um, that she was told don't deal with any mandatory reconsiderations except if an MP gets in touch, if an MP's kicking up a fuss. So, Glasgow North East constituents, if you have been sanctioned and you're waiting on the result of a mandatory reconsideration um, and you haven't got it, they're not going to consider it unless you call my office and let us phone for you. So just phone 0141 404 6232. That's 0141-404-6232. If you're waiting for a mandatory reconsideration, we'll phone up and we'll kick up a fuss. I don't mind. If a hundred of you get in touch, just do it. We'll phone up and we'll just keep phoning and pestering and try and get it sorted before Christmas. Moving on to something else in Parliament. Um, the UK government have agreed to support an SNP members bill, which seeks to protect women from gender-based violence. Dan, can you give us some of the details around like Ailey Whiteford's debate and, and, and what this means? Yeah. I mean, it was an amazing 
uh, victory. Couldn't believe it. You know, we've never won anything. They always talk out these private members' bills. Basically, um, the British government signed up to the Istanbul Convention in, I think it was June 2012, something like that, which basically is a, an international agreement that you will protect... Oh, there's, there's four Ps, I can't remember what they are, but basically it's about supporting women and girls who experience sexual and domestic violence. Um, and they've still not ratified it. I mean, what are we, four and a half years on, they've not ratified it? And we regularly raise it in debates, we regularly raise it in questions, and they say, yes, yes, they're going to do it. But four and a half years, come on. Um, so Ailey Whiteford uh, decided to use her private member's bill opportunity to force the government to now ratify it. And um, we won the vote. <laughs> it was incredible. What? We won the vote, I know. And, and I mean, if you really want to sicken yourself, watch the debate and watch... Oh, do you know what? I'm not even going to name-check him. You'll know who I mean if you watch it. A particular Tory MP who spent, I think it was an hour and 17 minutes uh, talking the bill, trying to talk the bill down. And he basically was making the point that men suffer violence too. Well, nobody said they didn't. You know, but even his own, even some of the Tory MPs were turning on him. And one of them, uh, Helen Waitley, I think her name is, she was really funny, actually, because she intervened on him and she said, is the honourable gentleman saying, don't ever do something good unless it solves all the world's problems at the same time? And I thought, good on you. <laughs> um, so even the other Tories were fed up with him. But, but yeah, but anyway, let's not concentrate on him. Let's just concentrate on the fact that we got it through and now it has to go to committee stage. And um, so that's that. It'll be ratified and they can't hold off any longer. It's, I mean, back, back, I know you don't want to dwell on the negatives, but back to the, even the DWP thing and this, it's like it's like some cartoon Dickensian villainy. You know, know. you've got like <laughs> sanctioning people like Christmas Mm-hmm. Not want to ratify a bill about um, you know helping uh, women and, and girls that have experienced right. gender-based violence. It's like this, these are open door things. Like I you're know. saying, like even if even if most of the Tories are kind of raising their eyebrows at it, like just get it, just do it. Yeah. It's, like, it's a quick win. Like, I don't know. I know. And the point with him, the Tory MP that I'm talking about, the point with him was that he he was arguing against the ratification of the Istanbul Convention, but his government's already agreed to it four and a half years ago, so it was a pointless yeah. pointless contribution mm-hmm. to the debate anyway. And and the other thing was, he was trying to wind us up, and he kept saying, um, you know, the SNP members, they always like to support something they think is worthy, but do they read it? Have they read the detail? Do they understand what they're talking about? Patronising get. And he said, <laughs> because I would be very happy for them to intervene. They kept trying to get us, but we'd already decided we were just going to ignore him. And I was thinking of jumping up and saying the honourable gentleman might like to know just for his information the reason we're not intervening is because his speeches range from offensive to downright boring and we don't want to hear any more of it than we have to but I thought I'll just leave it but he yeah I think he was quite disappointed that we all just sat there ignoring him yeah Um, I mean talking the the whole idea of talking out I I mean that's against the whole point of a debate surely you know that oh it's just disgraceful that is genuinely disgraceful I know but hey it got through it got through. Yay, well done, Ailey. And you're also running a Christmas toy drive for kids in the East End. I'm not sure if it's finished. How did it go? It's finished. Oh, it was great. Um, actually, I tweeted out, I think I tweeted out a photo. It was, um, yeah, a big pile of presents and they went to, uh, I think it was the Glasgow Care Foundation. We were just doing it on their behalf, really. I think they had other people doing it as well. So they will make sure that these presents go to 
Children who won't necessarily get a lot at Christmas and will really appreciate it. So That's thank you, everybody. Thank you very much for all your donations. And I suppose related to that as well, you're also part of a campaign to collect money for sleeping bags that we talked about in the podcast. Yes. Um, people are sleeping rough in Glasgow. So how's that going? Right, so that's a Proven SNP crowdfunder. Um, if you just look up crowdfunder, sleeping bags, rough sleepers or whatever, you can contribute to it. Um, basically, uh, a number of SNP members and myself and Ivan had been speaking to different uh, homelessness charities. And Ivan and I are doing an investigation into, you know, what is the problem here? You know, why do we have people sleep? I, I know, apart from exceptional cases, why are the people who don't want to be sleeping rough uh, and not that anybody wants to, but you know what I mean, without complex issues, who are sleep Why is that happening? You know, because, you know, there has to be a way forward for this. And okay, lots of, lots of um, legislation. Why is the legislation not being adhered to? That sort of thing. So although we're looking at the wider issue, and that is the bigger point, as part of that, Glasgow City Mission told us that there was a big shortage of sleeping bags. A lot more people sleeping rough this year than expected, and they were running out of sleeping bags. So we basically, um, Proven SMP, set up a, fun, a crowdfunder, and we aimed to raise £1,000 to buy 50 sleeping bags. And one day, somebody gave us a donation of £707, wow. an anonymous donor. Um, so we're now, I think we're at 1200 now, something like that. Um, so keep giving because, and so I think today I'm going to go out and buy the sleeping bags um, because we don't want to wait until the money's actually mm -hmm. come in. Yeah. Otherwise, people are going to be cold mm -hmm. for longer than mm -hmm. they need to be. So I think myself and Ivan are just going to go and buy the sleeping bags um, in advance mm -hmm. of the money coming in. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, like you're saying about what's causing it, I think even back to the DWP stuff we've talked about, I think people's support networks are very fragile. And if you keep kicking down, exactly. then people don't have support networks because everyone in their network is suffering from it. So, Well, many more people are saying to these homelessness charities that they had their benefits sanctioned or disability benefits cut. And that's what led to them being homeless. But I'll tell you something else quite frightening that's coming up. When everybody moves on to universal credit, that is a monthly amount, right? And the monthly amount includes your rent, uh, your housing benefit if you're entitled to it, and your if you're a single person, you're £73 a week. Unless you're younger, because you don't need quite that much when you're younger, which is another big bugbear of mine. But anyway, so you get the full amount. Now, if somebody's... You can't sanction their housing benefit. You can only sanction their money that they live on if their job seekers allowance is sanctioned they're still getting money that money's to pay the rent but how can you expect people to pay the rent when they have nothing to live on so people are going to get into rent arrears and they're going to get evicted and there's going to be far more people homeless so it's all a big fat expensive waste of time if you ask me um, and just again just another one of those things that just doesn't make sense so i think we're going to see the problem spiraling um, and we really need to be careful of that. My solution, get away from this British government, Scotland becomes independent, and we don't implement such ridiculous, not to mention inhumane policies. And finally, Anna, are you doing any Christmassy things, you know, in your work over the coming week or so? <laughs> well, that is the best thing about being an MP. I'm a very Christmassy person, me. <laughs> um, but the best thing about being an MP is at Christmas you get invited to all sorts of things. So I went to the Nativity at St Martha's in Balornock last week. Nice. Oh, that was lovely. Um, oh, it was so nice. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, yeah, so this week I'm hoping to go to Sight Hill and do a wee bit of carol singing prior to getting on this bus that's going to the panto yep. i'm not sure what time the bus is leaving hopefully i'll get to site hill to join the team at cats and new new rhythms they're called 
um, but also myself and the team here and I hope Ivan McKee's team and I hope a couple of members of Proven SNP and Maryhill and Springburn SNP maybe are going to come out and do a wee bit of carol singing around the constituency on Thursday or Friday or possibly both if we love it so much on the Thursday. You've agreed <laughs> to come, haven't you, Jimmy? Well, I've, I've, yeah, I've definitely said I'm interested. No, I have agreed to come. Yes, I will, I will carol sing, yes. I heard you humming away in a manger to yourself the other day. <laughs> That's just me. I'm always humming. But is that, yeah, this is true, this is true. Maybe we'll not take no, you with us. God. But I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be good for us. It'll be good for the team. But I think it'll be nice to... You know, just to add a wee bit of cheer, you know, we'll maybe stand outside the shops at Carantine, we'll maybe go to Drygate and there's a lot of older people live there and, mm -hmm. you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but um, we'll yep. maybe get pelted with eggs, well, that's who a, knows? Point for it, it's either people enjoy it and then they enjoy it or they mm -hmm. hate it, but then they mm -hmm. give something to talk about mm -hmm. or we hate it, but then we have a good laugh together. So yeah, everyone wants some carol singing. <laughs> and anyone that wants to come and join us, just get in touch, you'd be very welcome. And that's us at the end of another episode of Parliamental. Oh. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can contact us on Twitter at Parliamental Pod, on Facebook, search for Parliamental, and via email at parliamentalpodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review if you like the show. And I'll be back after Christmas, after yep. Christmas this time with another episode. So happy Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Bye. Bye. Bye.